Screaming heavy metal! We rock! But the evil that men do lives on. We gonna bang your You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, a hard-hitting show featuring all things hard rock and heavy metal. And now here are your hosts, the Twins of Chaos, Clint Switzer and Paul Lagana. Welcome everyone to the Hard Rock Hootenanny that is the Music Mania Podcast. Clint Switzer, Paul Lagana sitting in here, we're so happy to have you join us, whether it be on iTunes, downloading for free, or on YouTube, all of our stuff. Of course, archived there, Paul. It is great to be here, and thank you for sitting in with me today once again, my man. Thanks, Clint. Appreciate that very much. We are back again, and we have a great show for you today. The one thing I do want to mention is please hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Let us know how we're doing. Yeah, our you, what, your uh, social media of choice, as I always say. Let us know what's up questions comments concerns uh hate mail that goes to paul and uh, but let, if you have a guest you think you'd love to hear us on the show hit us up we will get a hold of that guest and see if we can make it happen for you we absolutely want the feedback from you guys and we will appreciate that and we have a huge guest speaking of coming on this show today paul as former alice cooper band member great guitar player kane roberts is going to be joining us talking about his stint in alice cooper of course he was there during the nightmare returns era helped co-write songs from constrictor raise your fist and yell a great time for me from uh, alice cooper um that kind of that mid to late 80s run which was different for alice kind of a you know kind of a different turn visually and stylistically and certainly musically so going to get into all things about his career kane roberts got the rock and roll fantasy coming up with paul stanley he's co-written he's written with berlin he's rod stewart paul stanley from kiss uh, he's kind of done it all in that look was very important to kane uh you know, on stage yeah. man his stage presence yeah he Got into bodybuilding uh, back in the early 80s, uh, actually before he joined Alice yeah. Cooper, and it uh, changed his career and life, and so we're going to get into that with him. Well, Paul, you know, before we get to bring Kane on, I want to talk to you, because I mean, we like to get into some of the pertinent rock and roll related topics before we bring our guests on, and one that keeps crossing my newsfeed, one that I can't get out of my head, is this Guns N' Roses situation, because rumors are swirling. Of course, they got the shows coming up in April uh, at, at, in Las Vegas at the new T-Bomole Arena. They got the 21 cities announced for the United States coming up this summer. Kansas City's on that list, by the way. I guess we should probably go to that. I would think so. I think we'll be there. Uh, you down? Absolutely. <laughs> Without a doubt. Well, so what is your thoughts? Because right now, confirmed, of course, we have Axel reuniting with Duff McKagan and Slash. Beyond that, a lot of rumors. Nothing confirmed. Steven Adler, Gilby Clark, uh, Izzy Stradlin. Mm-hmm. What's What do you well, see kind of playing out here? A lot of rumors. Right, right. And that's exactly what they are, just rumors. So until it actually plays out, uh, for me, I'm just going to take kind of a wait and see approach uh rumors are rumors and like i say until something is actually substantiated for me i just uh, wait and see is my well are you policy. are you gonna be okay if it's uh say it's it's slash and duff and axel and then on drums is like their current axel's uh drummer frank Ferrer, uh or you know Absolutely. richard fortis on guitar are you okay with uh kind of supplementing those members i am i am uh you know obviously steven adler was a big part of that uh actually matt storm as well uh whoever's on drums to me uh, i i 
just have waited 20 plus years to see this and is it too late though a lot of people are saying the same thing it's like hey this is the this this lineup you get these guys reunited to get back together there's obviously demanding a lot of money these shows are going to be huge they're going to be sold out but would this have been better had it occurred 10 15 years ago absolutely it would have uh but uh, here we are yeah here we are it's, it's not the case uh you know to me uh as I said earlier, th to me, we need to get out and see every single show that we can. Uh, these reunion tours, to me, will be key. Uh, like, so not be, don't, can't be choosy. You can't sit there and say, no. oh, well, uh, you know, Steven Adler's not in the band. Uh, forget that. We just we got to go. We got to go enjoy it. Enjoy the reunion with Slash because it's a collaboration that's right. that, that's, that was extremely important. Uh, what the music they made, Appetite for Destruction, one of the biggest rock albums of all time, important mm -hmm. for that time period to bridge the gap between hair metal and mainstream rock. This is the Guns N' Roses. Maybe not that we, you know, listened to in the 80s, but it's going to be a bombastic show. Axel, uh, who may also be fronting ACDC. Again, another rumor. Another rumor that is uh, maybe some photo evidence surfacing. We're not sure about that. Do you, are you okay with that? I mean, for what is Angus thinking? Uh, now that I'm not okay with, and I'll tell you why. Axl Rose belongs in a whole separate category. ACDC, uh, Brian Johnson, the sound it, it is totally different than the GNR. GNR came in the late 80s. Uh, ACDC, of course, with the Brian Johnson era, was uh, early to mid 80s. Uh, the whole, to me, the whole sound would be different with Axl. Well, it's going to be, and I think maybe this is... Uh, Angus's way of saying thank you, goodbye. Hopefully, had he brought in like a younger yeah. singer that we don't really know, like maybe they try to go forward with right. this. But I think Axel, it's just kind of a it's kind of a novelty thing. Like, hey, Axel Rose is going to play these shows, and we're going to go out, and that's it. Right. I get, can't imagine him singing "Highway to Hell" right now. I just can't. I well, they have ten dates left on this tour, uh, and they're scrambling. So, to me, I, how about guest singers? To me, that would be all right. Uh, maybe not. Like different ones. Yeah, different, different. Uh, you know, different singers themselves. Uh, I heard that that might happen as well. Yeah, that's still on the table, and I, I think I'd rather that than. I, I think if you know, we saw the last show with Brian Johnson uh, in Kansas City. That's the last show maybe ACDC will ever play with Brian Johnson. If I was going to one of these ten shows though, coming up, and I had a ticket, I'm sitting here going. I don't know. I don't know what I'm feeling right now. Like, I guess I'll go to this Axl Rose fronted thing just because it's kind of a cool novelty. I I, yeah. I just don't know how I'd feel as a fan going. Uh, I to me probably get the refund on right. The All right, and this comes on the heels of uh, you know Guns N' Roses getting back together, which you know they should stick with that. He should stick with that. Uh, ACDC, I, and I fully understand they want to placate the fans, but uh, Axl Rose to me is just not a good fit. And with that, we want to go ahead and welcome today's special guest. He is a former bandmate of Alice Cooper's legendary guitar player, Mr. Kane Roberts. Kane, you are the fourth Alice Cooper Band alumni to join us here on the Music Mania podcast. So congratulations for that. Welcome to the show. How's everything going, man? Hey, that's great. Hopefully uh, I'll, be, uh, I'll be the best one, you know, to join up. I mean, I don't know who else you talk to. I mean, if it was, uh, if it was Ken Mary, I totally got him beat. <laughs> Ken was definitely one of them, so we'll be sure to pass that information along, of course. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Kane, before we get into some of your past accolades, I want to talk about what you got going on now, man. Anything uh, coming up for you on the horizon here? Yeah, you know, it's really funny. Um, over the last uh, few years, um, what happened was uh, Kip Winger 
called me up and, you know, I, I never stopped playing guitar or writing or any of that stuff. I just got kind of sick of the music business. So, um... I ended up, uh, he, he called me because one of the, uh, the, this rock and roll fantasy camp thing that he'd been doing literally for 10 years, I didn't even know it, and I always thought that that was going to be something that was kind of lame, you know, it looked like, uh, you know, some sort of weird thing where you're going, you're teaching people and making believe there's this whole rock thing going on, and uh, I guess one of the, the quote-unquote rock star counselors kind of messed up, so um, uh, Kip called me up and he said, you know, what are you doing, and I said, well, I'm staring at a wall drooling, so he said, why don't you come out and, uh, you know, you want to do one of the camps? So I said, okay, you know, and I had no idea what it was. And I, I went there, and it was a bunch of executives, that was my band, those were my campers, so to speak. I had no idea what was going to happen, and then the guy said, by the way, at one o'clock, Zach Wilde's going to come in. So Zach came in, and he played a song with them. The next day, Stevie Vai came in. And he played a song with them, wow. and it was like Vince Neil and all the, I mean, it, was, it turned out to be like a, a totally amazing thing. And then we played a show at the uh, Whiskey A Go-Go with, um, you know, with the band. So it's a great experience for them. And then any of the guys that teach at those things, whether it's, uh, you know, um, Tracy Dunn's or Rudy Sarzo or any of those people, they'll tell you that, that, you know, there's a lot of give and take. The counselors get a lot out of it as well. And what that sort of did to me is it got me into just, you know, doing the hang with other musicians and I started recording again. And, uh, you know, this year I got uh, some events coming, doing like a tour in Europe. And I, you know, I might, I might be doing the Monsters of Rock cruise, you know, and stuff like that. So I'm sort of back in the game. And then I have a, uh, a, a recording that I just finished and we're shooting a video uh, next month, um, the 16th through the 18th. And it's going to be kind of this, you know, really dark, kind of cinematic type of a video as opposed to a performance thing. So, you know, I got the creative juices uh, going again. And, you know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Well, Kane, I tell you what, you started with Alice Cooper uh, on the Nightmare Returns tour and the Constrictor album you co-wrote. You know, Constrictor also raised your fist and yell. And I just want to go back to that, uh, how you got started uh, with Alice Cooper and how that all came about because uh, you wound up, you know, forming a band with uh, Kip Winger, uh, Ken Mary, creating kind of a new look and sound for Alice Cooper coming, who was coming off of rehab at the time and, uh, you know, forging ahead with this uh, this kind of new look and sound. And you were, you were a big part of that. Just kind of, how did it all get started? And uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, you know, I was in, I was in Boston and New York. Um, actually moved out of my house when I was like 17. Uh, I was living in, in Boston. And, you know, really weird is that uh, in the next building over, Aerosmith uh, was actually, uh, they all lived together in this apartment. So, and they, and they were kind of like a big deal in Boston. I was really young. I mean, you know, so, so but they actually were living there. And then, uh, you know, they, they split. And that was my first sort of experience with, like, you know, true rock stars. I mean, those guys were walking around with fur coats. And they just had this image that was way off the hook from anything I had ever experienced. So I started getting into it. You know, from that angle, like, could I ever do that? And, you know, I've been playing guitar since I was, like, 13. And, I, you know, so I started, um, I moved to New York, and I, I put together a band and everything, and then I had these demos and all that stuff. And suddenly I got a call to go down and meet Alice Cooper. And um, I went down there, I walked into the office, uh, you know, it was Chef Gordon's uh, Alive Enterprises, that time it was in New York. And uh, first I was sort of, you know, um, uh, directed into this office with uh, Bob Ezrin, and it was a typical scene, dude. It was like this huge window and a big desk, and he's sitting behind 
behind the desk, and I sit on a chair, and I swear to God, the chair was really low, so that I felt like really tiny. <laughs> it, was like, it, was like, it was like the Wizard of Oz or something. <laughs> and, and Ezra, who, who ended up being, you know, absolutely one of my, my best friends, and he, he's the guy that hooked me up with uh, Rod Stewart and Alice and Berlin and all these different projects and everything. But he said to me, he goes, Kane, he goes, you're 50% of a great writing team. <laughs> that was like the first words out of his mouth and I went, okay, I believe you. You know, so, so, you know, I had to go through sort of his vetting process to see if I was cool and then I walked into the main office and it was Shep and Alice and you just, just got this feeling like you were you were with people that, that changed worldwide culture, they changed music, they just had such a huge influence. So, and, and you know, I always say this, I mean, I was never nervous because I, I was, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't arrogant, but I always felt like once you get into the jet stream, you just got to kind of like go with the flow and hopefully, you know, you got the skills and, and whatever to, to, you know, to, to be able to handle whatever situation comes at you. And, and if you can't, you just got to go back to the woodshed and practice. Well, the first thing that happened was Alice and I became best friends. We started hanging out, and immediately we drove to upstate New York, and well, they, this is what they always did with us. They would rent hotel rooms and a studio, and we would just start working together. And, um, and that's what happened, and, and Alice and I just, you know, hooked up in a really great way, and then, you know, maybe the greatest move I ever made in terms of business was, I, I, you know, Ezra and I talked about what I should charge to, to do the gig, you know, this is a little bit of sort of a, an insight I don't really tell people, and, and, you know, I came up with this number, Chef called me up, and he said, you know what, that's a little high, so the best thing I ever did, and I'm not kidding you guys, so I said, you know what, I trust you, Chef. And I said, yep. you tell me what you want to pay me, and I'm there. And it, it, I didn't feel it as, as a sign of weakness. I felt it because I really did get a vibe off the chef. It was like a very special guy. And then suddenly, you know, I'm, I'm living in, uh, in uh, California. You know, I got a car. I got a record deal. You know, he totally sort of tricked me out. And then the next thing I know, um, you know, I'm in Maui. And Alice and I are writing Constrictor, the, the first yep. record we did together. Now, in terms of how the show, the show that you saw, Alice did come out of rehab. And he and I were sitting there talking, and I said, dude, the one thing that you don't want to do is come back having survived rehab. You've got to come back with just so, like the nuclear Alice, like in yeah. other words, you just ate up that whole rehab thing. Your past got consumed and turned you into like a monster. We got to come back and compete with, be it Ozzy or Metallica or whoever. Just come back heavy. And and you know, I said some. It's going to rankle some of your old traditional fans. I said, but you got to come back and explode. And you can tell on that video, like you hear Alice go, "Welcome, you're welcome to my nightmare," and the crowd goes crazy. And it sounds like the original album. And then when he hits the stage, the band is just like falls out heavy. It was a, yeah, it was a really great re-entry for Alice into the you know into the, uh, the the rock and roll heavy metal orbit. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's kind of what I was going to ask you about. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, you know there was a musical change. It was uh, it you know it was tangible. You could hear it. You could see it. The look was different. I mean, Alice Cooper had went away in uh, the early '80s. He comes back, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got you know the hard rock, uh, hair metal, whatever you want to call it, it was uh, was popular at that time. I mean, how you were the musical director? You became the musical director of that Alice Cooper band. How instrumental were you in in kind of um, that change that happened sonically and visually? Yeah, well, first of all, Alice is a very giving artist. Uh, in other words, you know, he's one of those guys where he has to have an inspired moment. He can sit 
down and do the, the job. I mean, you think about it, you know, he, they point him, you know, towards the stage. He walks out there and every night he kills it. So he's one of those guys that can call up whatever. But Alice, to me, in the true artistic sense, has his moments where you've got to have your pen and paper ready because it's just going to come really fast. And that's what would happen working with him. So, you know, as we started developing the sound, Alice would just suddenly, like, you know, he would get in the mode and just start writing and would start conceiving what the show was. Now, in terms of the music, uh, my first goal was to come up with a heavy sound try my best not to step on the toes of these like sacred songs that were put together by great musicians. I always had respect for Glenn Buxton and Michael Bruce and Dennis and Neil. I mean, those guys were just, you know, they were icons to me, right. especially, you know, one of the things about Dennis Dunw Dunaway, he was one of the first low slinger bass players that had the bass down at his knee. I mean, yeah. I play like Johnny Cash, like a total dweeb. <laughs> it's funny because my introduction to the Alice Cooper band was in fact this era and my favorite Alice Cooper album to this day is Constrictor so you know the connection with Friday the 13th part 6 Jason Lives I mean you had the songs Man Behind the Mask and you had Hard Rock Summer on there and I've always wondered I mean Hard Rock Summer was uh, did not even appear on the Constrictor album uh, as it were and you know Man Behind the Mask, I think, went through some changes. Uh, the original version became the song uh, Trick Bag, and uh, then the rest of the song was on the movie. Yeah, I love that song because, you know, that was, you know, it was really funny. Alice wrote that. We were, we were by the pool at Chef's Place. I'm not kidding. I'm not, I'm not coming up with these images. <laughs> and he just, like, wrote all those, those lyrics at once. You know, it's like, uh, uh, I'm a rock and roll fan, a vagabond, a streetwise runaway, or something like that. Yeah. Like stuff. And it was just, just sort of pouring out of him. And then... You know, for example, uh, to me, one of the most brilliant lyrical moments on any of the things I've ever done with Alice is um, uh, Prince of Darkness. And it was one of those moments, you, if you listen to those lyrics, whether or not you like the song, if you sort of sit down and just either read the lyrics or listen to them singing, they're absolutely brilliant. Even just like the timeline of where each concept hits the map, you know what I mean? And he wrote that all in, literally in 10, 15 minutes. It was one of those moments where, you know, I just got everything down. I just, I just, you know, got it all written down. You know, back in those days, we used to, uh, uh, we would burn wood and get charcoal and write on parchment. No, no, I'm kidding. But that was <laughs> like, what? all that stuff back together, and then, um, you know, so, so yeah, so that it was that was that song, Hard Rock, is one of those examples of just Alice just sort of spilling out, you know, all this like cool stuff, and and then we put it to music, and and actually. 
Uh, I think Hard Rock Summer in the USA. Is that what the one you were talking about? Oh, no, I'm thinking yeah. about that song for uh, the Rodney Dangerfield movie. I forget what the name of oh, Back was. to School. Was it Back um, or a Great American Success Story? I think was that one. And then, yeah. and then you had Hard Rock yeah. Summer, which was in the in the soundtrack for uh, Jason Lives, but it, it was not on the Constrictor album. I just always loved that song and wondered. Yeah, I, th- I think there, I think there's a car chase scene or something. Yeah, that song. Yep. yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, great song. I, I just always wonder why it didn't uh, didn't make the actual album cut because it, it was just kind of fit perfectly. I mean, you had Thrill My Gorilla. Those are, those are decisions. Very often, those are decisions that come from some other place other than me and Alice. I mean, our first version of. Uh, the man behind the mask was was very heavy. I mean, we, one of the one of the things uh, what we we had he crawled out of this hole just rock and roll. Yes, it was kind of like that's the way we first had it. And then the record company and the movie company um, said, you know, they'd like to have a song that had a little bit more what's called contemporary hip radio potential. So Alice and I got kind of bullied with that. And you want to hear something really funny? Frank Mancuso Jr. is took over the production of all the Friday the 13th stuff, yep. and he's a total metalhead, right? So he comes to the studio, and I'm sitting there in the room with him, and Wagner is mixing the man behind the mask, and he's listening to it going, he said, is this the song? And I said, yeah, and he goes, Kane. And I said, what? And he goes, does it ever get heavy? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's funny. It wasn't the first version. You know, it was really funny. Kane, you stopped working with Alice Cooper after the Trash album. Uh, what were your reasons for moving on then? Well, we finished Raise Your Fist, and then we did the tour, which which was, you know, it was just a, it was a very dark tour. It was it was uh, they tried to ban it in a couple of places. There was uh, one show we did in Munich that if Alice did some of the things that he was doing as part of the show, they were going to shut it down. There were all these armed guards behind us, you know, just in case Alice got a little too bloody. And they tried to ban the show in England and all that stuff. And, and it was really like, for me, it was an experience where we were in a total culture of violence. And, um, but it had like, you know, I thought the, the musicians and the stuff that we wrote was just very intense and really executed really well. So, um, and then that tour came to an end, and then I got the the record deal on Geffen. So I started concentrating on that, and Alice and I, actually, we lived together a lot. You know, of course, he he lived with his wife and ever, but whenever we were writing together, he would come to my house in Woodland Hills. And um, it was really funny because we kind of decided, like, it it was time to you know, sort of go our separate ways because I really had to concentrate on this Geffen record and Alice had some other stuff and, you know, his relationship with Desmond was starting to blossom as was mine with Desmond in terms of, like, you know, writing and stuff like that. So one day, I I was, it was 8 in the morning, I was laying in bed and he knocks on my door, this is at my house in Moulin Hills, and I, I wake up and I look and Alice is standing there with bags in each hand and he goes, I'm leaving you. No. It was like a scene out of a movie or something. It was really funny. But it, it was it was right, be- right before I went in the studio for the Saints and Sinners record on Geffen. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And the Saints and Sinners, yeah, two great solo albums. And I believe uh, Alice wrote, uh, helped you write some, some lyrics for that first one, and then even, maybe even, uh, uh, was it John Bon Jovi or the, on the second one? that um, Does anyone really fall in love anymore? Um, as a demo 
but for some reason he just never he never took it into the studio as one of their main songs so you know I didn't know Cher had done it but uh, um, but so when I got the song I said yeah this is really beautiful and then you know I kind of I you know, it's really funny I kind of lucked out on the performance I thought I hit a lot of good things on that it turned out to be a great version and it actually you know had legs um, in terms of radio and going up the charts and all that stuff so it ended up being like a, a good moment for me so yeah 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 so that but that's how it happened um, and then uh, since then actually just as a side note um, Alice and I worked on a song you know one of the songs that I just finished um, recording that we're going to shoot a video on so you know he and I still are you know just the best of friends and we still talk and hang out and stuff and I actually got him to do one of the rock and roll fantasy camps things so that was that was kind of fun you did an interview with Metal Sludge back in 2013 where you credit bodybuilding for helping turn your life around. How did you get into bodybuilding? Uh, how important was that image to you? Yeah, well, well, I, you know, it's really funny. I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying, you know, maybe somebody did kick sand in my face and I had to try to get big. I, I just never looked at it like that. I was never I was never somebody to be like a bully and, and do any of that stuff in terms of like being strong and looking a certain way and trying to intimidate people. So, I, you know, it didn't come from that angle. It just became sort of uh, one of the things that Alice and I share is that when we get into something, we kind of get, you know, uh, overtly uh, obsessive about it. And, you know, he's that way with golf. Um, he loves to go shopping. I mean, when we were touring, Alice would, uh, you know, every day, you know, whatever town we were in, we would take a walk through the mall. And, you know, sometimes he would buy... He'd come back and he'd say, dude, look what I got. And, it, you know, I'm saying, yeah, it's Levi's. You know, because you get them at, like, Macy's at Van Nuys, you know. It's not a big deal. But he, that's just the way he is. He gets into something and he just hammers it, which is great because, you know, that's the way he's been about his, his music and his singing and, and all sorts of stuff. So I just started lifting. Of course, guitar was always my, my main thrust in life. It was there since I was you know, very young. And the bigger I got, I started thinking, you know what I like about this is it goes against the grain. And I think it's one of the reasons why um, Shep and Alice and all the people involved wanted me in their team. It's because Alice had always gone against what people thought was acceptable. And I mean, you know, most guitar players were, were very thin and frail and almost effeminate looking, which is fine. The whole glam thing, I was totally into it. But I decided, like, if the camera passes over me once... Um, people will remember who I am if I keep going down this road. And of course, you know, the other pressure was I had to be a great guitar player. And I'll tell you something, when I was in Boston, I thought I was unbelievable. When I was living in New York, I thought I was incredible. I came out to California and totally humbling, you know, experience for me. I'd go to the clubs and somebody would just be tearing it up. So I just, I just went way back into taking lessons and practicing every day because, you know, I had a lot of competition, so, you know, it was a real sort of eye-opener for me. Um, but, yeah, when I, when I got into the whole physique thing, I think I think that was my angle. It was just I got obsessed with it, and then I started thinking, you know what, this might even work for me. And, you know, think of it this way. You know, after working with Alice, I did my own stuff. Who really would hire me after that? And I, you know, I was talking to, to right. the other day, and I was thinking, probably Alice Cooper's the only band that ever would have hired me. You know, when I actually, I, you know, I don't think I've ever said this in an interview, but when I was, I, I committed to Alice, and because of the way, you know, that story I told you was, you know, they were, you know, I gave them my word, and that was it, and of course, you know, I was, I felt, you know, blessed that I was even out there working with these guys, you know, you can imagine, I mean, you know, I did have that attitude, you know, yeah, I belong here, I mean, it's the same thing when I went up to write with Paul Stanley, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid to do it, I, my 
only concern was that, you know, I had some great ideas and I'd be able to execute and stuff like that. But, you know, it just became a, a part of the flow of the situation for me. Well, I got a phone call. This is after being in L.A. for a while. And it was Tina Turner's manager. Wow. And he said, you know, Tina would love to have you come out. We'd love to have you join the band. And they said, we'll pay you 2500 a week plus this so-and-so per diem. So I said, you know what? I really can't. But, you know, thank you so much and tell her it's an honor and all that stuff. He calls back next week and he said, how about 3000 And I said, no, you know, I really can't because I'm committed to this. Dude, he got up to like five grand. And what I could think of was, you know, I can't do it. But if I didn't have the Alice Cooper thing, I would have said yes to the first offer. You know, so I just, you know, I just, I just think to myself, what a crappy businessman I am. You know, it's like the power of the word no, you know what I mean? But, um, but I was unable to, to do the job. And, you know, a friend of mine is that sax player was with Tina at the time, that guy Tim Capello, that kind of sax player. He was actually a buddy. Yeah. yeah. He was a buddy of mine in, in New York, so, so it was really funny. And he was calling me going, dude, you got to do the gig. And I said, I, I can't, you know, so. Yeah, he did the scene in uh, Lost Boys. I, wasn't, wasn't that him? They did that scene in Lost Boys, the movie yeah, Lost Boys. Yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to hear the song Private Dancer quite the same ever again, my man. I'll tell you, but I'll tell you what, you've been so gracious with your time. I tell you, I can't thank you enough for joining us today, talking about you know, your career and, and all the things that you've accomplished. And it's just, uh, it's been been great to catch up with you. And I just cannot thank you enough for the time, man. We got to catch up again down the future, maybe at uh, maybe at one of the, one, one of the cruises or something like that. That would be, good. be totally hot, and, and I really enjoyed this. You guys' questions were actually. You know, a little different from what I normally get, and that's always a you know huge value when you're doing this stuff. And you know, when I finish the song and, and the video and stuff, I'll hit you guys up and send it your way. So yeah, I'd like to hear what you think of it, and you know, maybe we can do another chat or whatever. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk to you. So thanks. Please do, Kane. We appreciate it. Yeah, definitely get us send us the, the song. Can't wait to check out the song in the video. We'll, we'll promote it for you, and uh, we'll maybe have another chat and uh, get get some more promotion going in, on a future podcast, my man. Hey, Kane, thanks so much. We appreciate it. All right, good luck, you guys. You too, thanks. Thanks, Kane.